Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. This, If you know what's going on in the spirit right now, there is a massive spiritual battle raging in the spirit realm. If you pray in the spirit, if you intercede in the spirit, if you're spiritual at all, then you will realize that there is a spiritual battle and there is a spiritual war. Now listen, type one if you're with me. If you're in tune with the spirit, you can feel that there the battle has heated up. Friend, I'm telling you that we are living in a generation right now where the enemy has launched an all-out assault on the church. He's launched an all-out assault on all, our generation. The enemy is doing Doing something right now in our day and I believe God is raising up people like you to begin to make war against the air, the territory and the kingdom of darkness this is what I want to talk to you about tonight to train you up so that you'll know how to be an effective minister of deliverance God is anointed and God has called every single one of you to drive out demons every single one of you to heal the sick and there's a massive tug of war if you don't know I'm just letting you know there's a massive tug of war happening right now in the spirit. Many of you feel it. I've been getting this in prayer. I've been feeling the need to pray in the spirit like never before. I'll be driving. All of a sudden, I start praying in the spirit. I'll be walking around. I start praying in the spirit. I feel that there is a shifting that has happened in the supernatural realm that the enemy has turned up the heat and that God is saying he is also turning up the fire, that God is doing something. God is not reactive. God is proactive and God is training you and raising you up. So we're going to go over tonight practical steps to being a deliverer to being an exorcist. I was going to put that on the flyer, but I knew you guys would all freak out. But an exorcist is merely someone that drives out demons. We've all been called to be exorcists. We've all been called to set people free. Why is it the calling of all of us? Because every one of us know somebody that needs deliverance. Every one of us know somebody that is in bondage. And so we need to get linked up. We need to get synced up and we need to get connected to what the spirit is saying to the church. There's a lot of preachers, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are saying a bunch of different things. But I really believe God is saying this to begin to link up to what is he saying to the church, begin to get connected to what the spirit is saying to the church because God is speaking something very specific to the body of Christ right now and I'm feeling the rumbly in this in the spirit there's unprecedented warfare happening in the unseen realm I want you to realize that in the midst of all this warfare God's kingdom is violently advancing I've been praying this I've been feeling this and the Lord keeps saying Isaiah my kingdom is advancing it might look like my kingdom is not advancing but you need to understand God's kingdom is advancing and he's looking for people that would not live their lives on the sidelines with a pacifier come on somebody let's break a thousand shares this but would be on the front lines with weapons of warfare we're going to give you some weapons tonight on how to engage and be practical in spiritual warfare so some of you might feel stuck listen you might feel tired people say i feel like i'm under attack i feel weary but here's the thing you're here tonight i want you to get this you're hungry you're desperate you're here because god says i'm going to train your hands tonight and i'm going to train your fingers tonight for warfare god is beginning to train and release strategies on the church that have never been released before god is 
speaking a new thing. God is doing a new thing. He told the prophets, look around. I'm doing something in your generation that you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you. And so I'm telling you, all that you've been through, you're here, you're ready to fight. All the times the enemy tried stopping you from serving God, all the times the enemy tried killing you, all the time the enemy tried to stop your praise, all the times he tried to stop you from hearing the message, all the snares and the pitfalls and the hindrances you have escaped and you have avoided and every other regular person would have quit if they would have went through what you went through but you're still here and I didn't come to preach to somebody that has it all together tonight I didn't come to preach to somebody that has you know think they're this or they're that I came to preach to somebody that says Isaiah I'm here and I'm ready to engage in the war I'm ready to engage in the battle y'all need to stop shouting me down in the chat because I'll just keep preaching like this all night and we'll never get into it but I'm telling you all the the stuff you've been through has put you to this one moment and so I want you as we go into this forget the past forget what happened to you I was at a church and they shut me down. They did this. Forget about what happened to you in the past. Forget about the relationship that hurt you. Forget about the pastor that cast you out because you were trying to cast out demons. Forget about the people that talk bad about you. Today is the day. Today's a new day. God is on our side no matter what is going on right now in America. Some of you say, why don't you talk about this or politics or that or that? Because I'm telling you, friend, it doesn't matter what is going on in America. Our God has never lost a battle. I think about everything that I've been through and I'm still here tonight able to worship. I'm still here tonight able to praise. I should be dead. I should literally be dead. But it was the hand, it was the mercy, and it was the grace of God that spared me over and over and over again, delivered me, healed me, and saved me. And so it was only by his power and his presence. So I'm telling you guys right now, you might not like where you're at exactly. You guys are writing me. I feel attacked. I feel attacked, friend. The one that is in you, I have to say this as we go into this, is greater than the one that is in the world. Colossians 2.14. The Bible says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross so he says I've taken all your charges I've nailed them to the cross and here's what I want you to pay attention and in this way he has disarmed the spiritual rulers I feel the Holy Ghost on this the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross so here's what he's saying God has disarmed every power every principality every ruler of darkness and he disarmed them by the cross what we're preaching on delivering and breakthrough and spiritual warfare. This is a provision of what Jesus did on the cross. It was on the cross that he defeated principalities. The weapons that the enemy had against the church, we were unable to fight the enemy off before the cross. We were unable. I wish somebody would help me. Come on. We were unable to get freedom and to get deliverance and to get breakthrough. But he says, here's the deal. Paul says, you got to understand that it was on the cross that he disarmed them and he made a public spectacle of them. He shamed powers and principalities. He say, why do you do deliverance in public? Why do you film deliverances? Because when we do deliverance we're shaming powers and principality people say well it brings shame to the person you're doing deliverance on absolutely not the only one that gets shamed in deliverance is the enemy when we make a public spectacle of him when someone breaks out manifesting it's a public spectacle the devil's being shamed it is is his kingdom being destroyed and God's kingdom being established. God is looking for enforcers of his kingdom. He's not gonna come down. We pray for our city, Lord, save the buildings. And God says, I'm looking for you to have my spirit, to have my power, to be trained, your hands and fingers trained for battle and warfare so that you can go and bring down the principalities and powers and establish the kingdom of God on this earth. It's not going to happen until the church begins to engage in this. Come on, share this. Until the church begins to do this, God is waiting 
waiting on you. See, many times in spiritual warfare, we're waiting on God and God says, I'm waiting on you. I have already anointed you. I have already, come on, somebody help me tonight. I've already given you the power. I've already given you the authority and I need some men and women that would rise up and the power that I've given them would spit the pacifier out of their mouth and would begin to wield the sword of the spirit. My prayer every time I get up and preach to you guys is Lord, turn my my tongue into a sword and my lips into a trumpet. I'm praying that as I'm preaching, that principalities and powers are losing power. The Bible says we preach to the principalities. And so I'm telling you right now, something is shifting in the supernatural realm. Something is shifting in the spirit. Even as I'm preaching, stuff is getting broke off you. If you knew how many messages we got of people saying, during the message, I begin to get breakthrough. During the message, I begin to get deliverance. During the message, God began to move in my life. It's because powers and principalities and rulers are shamed and they are broken when we preach the cross. It's time to preach the cross. So I'm going to give you some steps to become an effective deliverance minister. I get asked this all the time. Isaiah, how do I go to the next level when it comes to driving out demons? How do I go to the next level when it comes to having authority over the demonic? How do I go to the next level when it comes to being a deliverance minister? At the end of this, I'll give you all the points that I have. I'll give you all the stuff you can write down. But guys, I want you to write these down as I say them. I'll let you know when we're transitioning. I'm gonna give you attributes or characteristics of a successful or effective deliverance minister. There there are certain attributes and there are certain characteristics that you must have if you're going to start this journey I know there's many of you new I'm getting written in by pastors, countless pastors writing saying, I'm new to deliverance. My church is just starting to do deliverance. My people are just starting to do. There's many of you new. I want you to do this. If you're new, there's a thousand of you watching right now. If you're new to deliverance ministry, if you've been doing it now for like, let's just say the last three months, I want you to type one in the chat. I know many of you have followed our ministry in the last month. So I want you to type one if you're new in the deliverance ministry, because I believe tonight, and if you're not new, I believe God's going to train you up to be more effective. I look at my life. I say, Lord, I want to be more effective in deliverance. I want to go to the next level when it comes to spiritual warfare. Now, some of you might say, well, you can't grow. Friend, every boot camp, every army, every person in history has trained people to become better soldiers. It's illogical to think that you don't need any training and you could become a better soldier. If you want to be on God's special forces, if you want to be a spiritual sniper, if you want to be raised up and go to the next level, you need to be trained up and you need to be equipped by the word of God by preaching. Now look at this. We have hundreds of ones right here in the chat because God is saying now it's time to train up the army. So I'm going to give you, I believe I have eight or nine of these. I think there's eight of these attributes that I've learned in the last 10 years of deliverance guys. I don't know how long I spent, maybe close to 10 hours studying, reading, praying, writing down experiences, asking God, what does he want to speak to you tonight? And so I'm not getting on here flippantly. I'm not getting, I'm not going in the cabinet looking for leftover ingredients and trying to recycle and cook something up. I believe God is giving me download and revelation for you tonight so that you can get freedom and that you can be better at setting other people free. That is what this is all about. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the first attribute and I'm doing good here. I'm I'm 10 minutes into recording. We're getting into 
into it. This is the first attribute that you need to have if you want to be a deliverer or a successful exorcist, which is someone that drives out demons. And number one is you need to understand that deliverance is scriptural. Okay, understand deliverance is scriptural. I can't say this enough because so many people don't understand how common deliverance is in the Bible or how scriptural deliverance is in the Bible. I tell pastors over and over and over all the time, how do you preach? Come on, can I get somebody to help me? How do you preach 52 times per year and never mention deliverance when Jesus everywhere he went did it? You can't read a couple chapters without finding Jesus confronting the demonic. And yet I'm wondering why we don't believe in the church that deliverance is scriptural. We don't believe that this is the plan, that this is the will, and this is the call of God on every believer. And when you don't believe that, you won't have confidence in deliverance. You need to know that deliverance, one, is scriptural, and it's a provision of the cross. You need to know this. I would challenge you to begin a study like I'm doing every account of deliverance in the New Testament so you can make a good defense to people that are ignorant about deliverance. People that have never done deliverance, if you wanna know this, go on my comment section yesterday. People that have never done deliverance love to argue that deliverance is not for today. People that have never done deliverance love to argue that deliverance is not important. People that have never done deliverance, come on, somebody help me, love to argue that deliverance is not essential. But I believe that deliverance is essential. You need to know what the word says. This is why I put this as number Number one, when it comes to deliverance, ultimately we do it because Jesus did it and now has sent us to do it. So you have to know that Jesus has called us a man did not call you. A man did not anoint you to do deliverance. Jesus has called you and anointed you. And I would just suggest you doing what I'm saying. Go through all the deliverances in the New Testament. You'll see there's more than you thought and begin to learn from these deliverances. Memorize, write this down. Begin, praise God, we just had a thousand viewers. Come on, share this. I want you to begin to memorize key verses when it comes to deliverance ministry, key verses when it comes to supernatural warfare so that you can use them as ammunition, ammunition against the enemy. We have the Bible. Bible. And this is what you have to realize to back up all of our beliefs, all of our practices. You can debate me all you want, but you can't deny the word of God and what it says about deliverance. This is what gives us boldness, deliverance and the ministry of Jesus. And this is what witchcraft, secular humanism, American Christianity has done. They have separated the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of deliverance, but I'm telling you, there is no separation. So we say, oh, just preach Jesus, brother. Don't worry about demons. Have you guys heard that? Come on, type one. Don't just preach Jesus, Isaiah. Don't worry about spiritual warfare. Just preach Jesus. And that's the most ridiculous thing to say. Just preach Jesus, but don't drive out demons when understand Jesus preached and then cast out demons. Philip, the only evangelist, we're going to go into later in the New Testament preached and then drove out demons. This is the model of Jesus and we're not allowed to change this. Deliverance and Jesus go hand in hand. It's not like, oh, Jesus's ministry is over here. Deliverance is over here. The ministry of Jesus is the ministry of deliverance. When you're casting out demons, you're doing what Jesus did. And so get out of here with this whole religious lie that, oh brother, you just need to preach more about Jesus and you just need to talk more about Jesus. You need to understand that these ministries are married. They're not separated. It's who Jesus was. John, in fact, says that this is why Jesus came. He said that Jesus came to destroy the works of darkness. He was the first one to do this. No one had ever cast out a demon before Jesus showed up and Jesus brought in this 
new ministry called deliverance and it breaks out in mark one the beginning of his ministry he begins to drive out demons inside the church inside the synagogue this is a ministry that jesus did and has called every one of us to do first he verse he did it then he called the 12th the bible says to go cast out demons and heal sicknesses so he said first i'm going to give you authority over demons now listen if you're in systematic theology i won't bore you the principle first mention it basically says if god says something first in the bible it's important so he says i want you first to cast out demons that's how important this is the first thing i want to tell you to do and then i've given you first power over demons then power over sickness in matthew 10 he tells him don't go to the gentiles don't go to the Samaritans. In other words, don't go to the law to the lost, but go to God's people to do deliverance. Jesus sent the disciples to go do deliverance on the people of God, on the lost sheep of Israel, the children of Abraham. So you need to know this was not like, oh, just go to the people on the corner and do deliverance. Friends, scripturally, deliverance was for the body of Christ. And I just did a video on it, 25, 22 minutes on my YouTube channel. So I won't go into Christians having demons because there's a video on it. But I'm telling you, this is for the body of Christ. He said, preach to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the lepers, and drive out demons. I'm not asking you. I'm not saying if you feel it. I'm not saying if if you want to. I'm not saying if it's something you desire. I'm calling the church to do this. Go and do this. People need this. But we have a lot of people that have flipped this thinking, well, it's just for the world. It's not for the church. When there's so many lost in the church, there's so many unsaved in the church, there's so many unbelieving Christians, and we need to go. This is our mandate. This is our calling. It's the children's bread. So after he called the 12, we're giving you scriptural because you need to know this is scriptural. Then he commissioned the 72. That's in Luke 10. And he sends out 72. And the first thing they do when they get back, here we see again the principle first mentioned, is they say, Jesus, 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 even the demons obey us. And Jesus goes, don't get too excited about that. Get excited. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But the first thing that they were shocked about, they go out, they start preaching, they start healing the sick, and then they start casting out demons. They never done this these 72 disciples and they could not believe that deliverance worked and i wonder what they thought i they probably thought this how have i lived this long and didn't know that this was real didn't know that there were demons that were causing these attitudes there were demons that were causing this personality trait there were demons that were causing this dysfunction and what you're going to find as you get into the deliverance ministry is that things have been hidden for years that people were not willing to confront but you need to stand on the word of god they were amazed that it worked now after that jesus in mark 16 calls every believer so the question is who's qualified and who is called to the ministry of deliverance and that's every single believer if you're listening to my voice and you call yourself a believer you've been anointed you've been called i've said this over and over and over and i want you to write this down i tell people this all the time this is a major religious misconception that is keeping people in bondage deliverance is not a gift of the spirit i don't understand where we got this theology some i had about 10 people write on my post yesterday deliverance is a gift of the spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. I said, okay, we'll go back. I just did a video almost two hours on the gifts and there's no gift of deliverance. Deliverance is also not an office. The Bible talks about the office of the apostle, the office of, of the prophet, the office of the pastor and the different offices. The, the office, there's no office of deliverance because deliverance is for every single believer. It's a provision of the cross. The cross was not just eternal life. Uh, part of the provision was healing and was deliverance. These are part of the cross. 
cross. So I don't understand why we're painting such a picture or a cheap picture of deliverance when Jesus paid a price for us to be able to get delivered. I believe if we started treating deliverance as important as we treat eternal life, because both are equally part of the cross, both are equally as important to the cross, we don't just preach, come up and get saved, come up and say the sinner's prayer, which is nowhere in the Bible, come up and invite Jesus in your heart, but we would say, listen, you can come up today, you can get saved right now, you can get healed right now, you can get delivered right now, we can lay hands on you. We don't preach that because we're lazy and because we don't believe the Bible, and I'm telling you, we need to get back to the basis of Scripture. People say, well, this pastor said this, what does the Scripture say? I'm not listening to any pastor or preacher that preaches something that violates Scripture, that violates the word of God. The word of God says the first sign, there we go again, principle first mention of a believer is they drive out demons. This is the first sign that you're a believer. Imagine if that was the standard. Oh, you're a believer? Yeah. Oh, so you drive out demons too? Not did you pray a prayer? Did you change your Facebook status? But do you drive out demons? That was a sign in Mark 16 of even being a believer. We need to get back to the Bible. The Bible does not teach us. Listen very closely that God will take away our demons when we get saved. The Bible teaches us that God has given us authority over demons. It's just like healing. It doesn't say if you believe and get saved, you get healed. It says lay hands on the sick. The cross must be applied. Deliverance must be applied. Healing must be applied and must be appropriate. I'm going to talk about this here in a minute, but you need to know we need to appropriate this. In Acts 8, as I said, Philip was the only evangelist in the New Testament. I know nowadays everyone's an evangelist. Everyone has on their business card. People that have done nothing for God say that they're evangelists. Peter, Philip is, I'm sorry, Philip is the only evangelist in the New Testament, and we know already what his ministry was like. I love how people are always arguing about evangelistic ministry. What should we do as evangelists? Should we have this? Should we have this? Should we have that and we're always trying to figure out a way to evangelize let's do a play let's do a skit all that praise the lord but that's not what philip did if you want to actually know i don't understand guys and let me just rant here for a minute why are we trying to figure out how to do things that are already that, that the bible already tells us how to do the bible already tells us how to evangelize it already tells us how to activate the gifts it already tells us how to live how we should live righteously the bible's already making it clear and so now we see philip the evangelist who the bible says preach the gospel cast out demons and healed the sick. Okay, Philip, somebody forgot to tell you that once somebody gets saved, they don't need deliverance. Philip, somebody forgot to tell you that once you preach and people receive Jesus, they don't need deliverance. Why would Philip waste his time casting out demons if you get delivered at salvation? Here's why. Because it's unscriptural. There's no Bible verse, if you want to get technical, that says once you get saved, every demon has to leave you. Many times people need to get deliverance. The Bible says this. Now, this is very interesting. If you read your Bible, it says they saw and they heard the miracles Philip did. Not they heard about the miracles. It says they saw and they heard the miracles Philip did. Now think about this. Is it possible to hear a miracle? Now it's possible to hear about a miracle, but that's not what the Bible says. It says they heard the miracles. How do you hear a miracle? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. When people are screaming out demons when they're coming out of them, when people are yelling and growling and manifesting like the Bible talks about and getting deliverance, guess what happens when someone's screaming out a demon? Everybody can hear the miracle because, oh, that's good preaching, Isaiah. Say that to somebody in the back. 
Because the Bible says in Mark 9 and Luke 9 that deliverance is a miracle. And so they actually heard the miracles because they heard deliverance breaking out. They heard God's people laying hands, casting out. Philip didn't just preach it. Philip demonstrated it. Now you need to remember when Satan challenged Jesus in the wilderness, he used, and this is what religious people do. And this is why I'm taking a lot of time on point number one, because you need to know how scriptural deliverance is. This is why, because Satan used verses out of context to try to get Jesus to do what he wanted him to do. A lot of pastors and preachers will quote verses out of context. For instance, yesterday when I was posting about deliverance for believers and everybody kept posting the verse over and over again, and it's the easiest verse. I'm thinking like, you got, you got to do better than that. It was, you can't serve two masters, but they don't keep reading. It says you can't serve both God and money showing that it wasn't talking about demons. It was talking about money. But what do we do? We pick the part of the verse we want. We do what the enemy did. We bring it out of context text and then we use the verse to not deliver people not confront demons i'm preaching good come on somebody help me not conceal but to conceal the enemy's strategies and secrets don't let the devil use you by trying to talk others out of deliverance listen 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 Listen, Linda, if God, if you are talking people out of doing deliverance, the devil's using you. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you are against me. And when you start talking people out of the ministry of deliverance, saying, I don't think you should do deliverance, which Jesus will talk about later, already address whether we should or shouldn't do it or whether we should or shouldn't stop people. But you have to understand that Jesus has called you. Now in Mark 9, 38, Luke 9, 49, the disciples asked Jesus, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to go on to the point number two. Ask Jesus if they should stop people from doing deliverance. And Jesus responds with this. Don't stop them. Hold on, Jesus. Here's what you need to know. These people are not in our teachings. They're not a part of our church. They're not a part of our Christian clique. They're not a part of our synagogue. They, they weren't trained by you. And they're going out there. They haven't been saved very long. Come on, this is what we do. And they're going out there and they're trying to drive demons out of people. Surely Jesus would stop them. I mean, imagine this. Jesus would say, you guys shouldn't be doing this. You're not trained enough. You know, you're not, you're not part of our group. You're not part of our clique. And they say, we're going to, should we stop them? Jesus says this, don't stop them from doing deliverance. I want to say it louder for every pastor. Listen, there's over a thousand of you. There's many pastors in the chat. Don't stop them. This is in your Bible from doing deliverance. And here's why, because anyone Jesus said that does a miracle, and these are the words of Jesus in my name, will not speak bad about me. In other words, people that drive out demons are not going to speak bad about Jesus, are not going to be anti-Christ. He says, if you do deliverance, you're doing a miracle. And like I said, hearing miracles, and you have to know that no one that does miracles will speak bad about me. So Isaiah, should we stop people in our churches from doing deliverance? Should we stop people from doing deliverance that haven't been fully certified, that haven't been saved long enough? Absolutely not. Jesus said, no, stop do not stop people. Let them do it. You don't need approval. And this is what this means. And we're going quick. You don't need approval. You don't need opinion. And you don't need, oh, I feel like running around. I'm just going to go ahead and shout as loud as I feel like tonight. You don't need people's approval. 
Write that down. You don't need nobody's approval. You don't need Isaiah Saldivar to approve of you. You don't need a pastor to approve of you. God has called you to do it as the believer. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe once the pastor releases them in my name, they'll cast out demons. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe after four years of Bible college, they will cast out demons. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe that have been saved over a year and a half, have gone through the seminary, the training and the thing and filled out the card and were part of the church. He said, these signs, come on, somebody help me. I'm fired up tonight. These signs will follow those that believe what is the prerequisite for the demons to be cast out what should be following me miracles and deliverance well what do i have to do just believe that god has given you the power and follow the word of god you do not need i'm not preaching some rebellion against your pastor i'm letting you know you don't need religious people to try and come validate you when god has already validated you and anointed you you know everyone on social media, you know, they have this thing. If you don't know and you're older, I'll tell you about it. It's called blue. It's called a blue check mark. It's a validation mark. And basically, this is like for celebrities, businesses, and people. There, it verifies that they are who they say they are. And so, if you get enough followers, if you write a book, if you become popular enough, if there's enough internet articles about you, then Facebook will go ahead and give you the blue check mark. Instagram will go ahead and give you the blue check mark. Twitter will go ahead and give you the blue check mark. It's a sign that they've verified you or they valid validate you. It's very prestigious it basically means that they validated you and they're approving of your page and i thought you know man this would be so cool because in the flesh you know it's like we like being popular i thought man this would be so cool to have a blue check mark next to my name it'd be so cool to go on instagram and have isaiah Salvar verified like oh man i'm a celebrity now i have a blue check mark i'm verified it'd be so cool on facebook to have a blue check mark so all these fake pages that are made every day I wouldn't have to deal with them. And I'm like, man, wouldn't that be so cool? And then I thought, man, isn't that how so many of of us are? We're looking for validation from other people when we've already been validated. I was trying to apply for this validation and I kept getting denied. And I was getting frustrated and I felt the Lord said, Isaiah, I've already validated you. You have been validated. You have a blue check mark in the spirit. God has validated you. And you don't, I don't need, and you don't need a social media company to try to validate you, to approve of you, and to say, oh yeah, go ahead and do deliverance now. Friend, you don't need anyone to approve of you if God's word is behind you. You can run with boldness. And I know all the, the religious people are just manifesting all over the place in the chat. But you can run with boldness because you're preaching the word of God and God's word does not turn back void. It does not return void. So all you need to do is make sure that you are preaching God's word and God will go ahead and validate you. God will go ahead and do what God wants to do on the inside of you. God has already given you the check mark. Well, do I need to apply for the check mark? You don't need to apply. You've been given it tonight. God has given you the check mark. Well, how do you know? Because Mark 16, that's how I know. So don't let anyone hold you back because here's what's going to happen. You can spend years, the last thing I'm saying, I'm going on to to attribute number two. You can spend years in a church that doesn't believe, preach, or do any type of spiritual warfare. And then finally, after 20 years, you leave the church and you're frustrated because you say, why did I wait so long to be activated into what God's called me to do? Was it a leader? Was it a pastor? Was it a preacher that you were waiting to validate you? People always like, Isaiah, validate me, approve of me, post about me, tag me, message me, tell me I'm doing a good job. That we've all, We all have a desire to be validated, friend. This is the flesh wanting to be validated, but I'm telling you tonight, you've been called and chosen by God. You've been validated by God. All you have to do is say yes to the call. Okay, number one is you need to understand deliverance is scriptural. Let's move on because we got a lot of ground to cover and I'm not, I don't want to go two hours tonight. Okay. Number two, 
Understand. Oh, this is good preaching. You know what? Let me just, this is just good, guys. Number two is you need to understand that nothing can substitute for deliverance. Write that down. Number two, the second attribute you have to have if you're going to be effective deliverance minister is that nothing, understand nothing, nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, can substitute for deliverance. Counseling, oh, somebody help me, is not a substitute for deliverance. Teaching is not a substitute for deliverance. Therapy is not a substitute for deliverance. Medication is not a substitute for deliverance. There is no zero, no, N-O, nothing, zero. Substitution for the ministry of driving out demons in the life of the believer. This is essential and it must be practiced in every single church with no exceptions, okay? Listen, it's bad enough that believers aren't doing it, let alone churches aren't doing it. I had a lady call me last week. She said, I brought my husband to three churches. He manifests a demon and they kick him out of the church. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not cast demonized people out of the church. He cast demons out of people. And what are we doing? Instead of casting demons out of the people, we're casting the people out of the church because we don't want to deal with spiritual warfare. And let me just say this. I love you. I appreciate you. Every single pastor. I've been traveling for 10 years. I, I've met pastors all over the country. M much of my friends, most of my friends are pastors and love them all. Your pastor for a lot of you is afraid of you getting trained up, afraid of you learning how to drive out demons because they haven't done it. And God forbid you start doing stuff that your pastor doesn't do. But I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of the substitution. Some people will say, oh brother, now if you go to your church and say, I'm having these crazy thoughts, I feel like there might be a demon, I'm having dominating thoughts, I can't get rid of them, they're overwhelming, I'm manifesting, I feel angry during worship, angry during prayer, angry during the preaching. Here's what a lot of churches are gonna say, oh brother, you just need a little bit of counseling. A little bit of counseling is going to help your marriage. A little bit of counseling is going to help you. You just need to keep crucifying the flesh, battle your whole life in bondage and stay there. But let me tell you something. There's nowhere in the Bible where it, scripture says to counsel demons out. There's no verse, and I'm going to take my time. I don't even care on this. I'm taking my time on this. There's no scripture that says counsel a demon out. The Bible says to cast them out. So casting them out, when you think of casting out, I want you to think of picking somebody up and throwing them out of your house, throwing them out of the front door. That's how you cast somebody out. If I was going to cast you out of my house, I would just literally grab you and just throw you out. So remember, demons call you what? Their house. What did Jesus say? Let's look at what Jesus said. He said, when a demon goes out, it finds seven of its friends more wicked than itself because some demons are more wicked than other demons, according to Jesus. Also, demons travel in groups, according to Jesus. Okay, that's just all free for you right there. I'm not going to charge you for that. He says, and then the demons say, we're going to go back to the house that we came from, which means demons call you their house. This is why if you heard me pray, my trademark first prayer is, this person is not your house. They, are not, they do not belong to you because demons live in the house. This is why even if you go back to the Old Testament, what did God tell Cain? He said, Cain, sin is lurking, waiting, knocking, sitting at the door. What are you talking about? What door? Well, what, do you, what door do you think? Cain has a house and the, the sin, the demon power was lurking at the door trying to apprehend him. The door of his what? 
his house. Jesus makes it very clear in that we are spiritual houses, that he wants to fill us. When Jesus was going to be born, I have a whole message on this, he came to the inn and there was no room or rooms for him to be born. You are a spiritual house. I had one demon speak out and say, how did you even know that we're living in a house? I, I, not, I, I know, not because a demon told me, oh, don't listen to a demon. That's not why I know. I know because the Bible says that the demons call people their houses. And when we're doing deliverance, we're evicting them out of their house. Remember, demons live inside of people. They don't live on the outside. They live on the inside. Okay, the Bible also doesn't say that if you live holy for a long period of time, the demons will leave you. It's not scriptural. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they must be thrown out. They must be what? Cast out. I think that's why, listen, I have one hobby and that's fishing. And listen, I haven't been able to fish in a while because I got a brand new baby. I've been very busy with streaming, busy with content creation. I've been busier right now in the last month than I've ever been in my entire life of ministry. But I started to realize, I know I know, Pastor Mark Slay's in the chat, I know Nino's in the chat, some of the people I fish with. I started to realize why I like fishing so much because even when I'm fishing, I'm constantly casting out. I'm just constantly casting out, okay? We've been called to cast out. That was a joke, by the way. This is your calling, and this is your assignment to cast out demons, kick them out of the house. People spend years and years and years trying to get rid of demons other ways. I've had people tell me, recently, they've spent thousands. I had one person recently tell me, I spent $20,000 plus on counseling, treatment, medication, and various other things, but all they needed was to get the demons cast out of them and they spent $20,000 trying to do other things to get the demons out. But understand that this is religion. Religion tries to do in human effort what, 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 uh, what only the power of the Holy Spirit can do. So religion, that's the essence of religion. If you're like, what is the spirit of religion? It's trying to use human effort to do what only the spirit can do. How do you know? Isaiah Romans 15, 19. The Bible says they were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. They were not convinced by human effort. They were not convinced by Paul, who's writing to this church, his preaching. They were convinced by the miraculous power, signs and wonders that was done. And then Paul says, in this way, what way? Preaching the gospel, casting out demons and doing miracles. In that way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all over. Okay, so you can't fully present the gospel if you're not driving out demons. If your church is not casting out demons and healing the sick and you doing miraculous works, they're not preaching the full gospel according to Romans 15, 19. He says in order to fully present the gospel, now you can present it partially, but in order to fully present the gospel, you have to bring demonstration. So we can't substitute deliverance with humanism. Now remember in Galatians 3, when Paul talks about witchcraft coming over spirit-filled believers, Isaiah, can spirit-filled believers come under the power of witchcraft? Yes. If you don't believe me, go to Galatians 3. Paul says that someone has cast a spell on you and he says, and the result of the witchcraft, the result of the spell is you're now, this is what Paul says, trying to accomplish in the flesh what could only be accomplished by the spirit. That's witchcraft. Witchcraft comes on the church and they try to accomplish in the flesh what only the spirit can do, i.e. they tried to substitute the ministry of deliverance from the ministry of therapy, counseling, medication, all the other thing. So here, here I'm, I'm, this, I'm preaching tonight, okay? I hope somebody's taking notes. Witchcraft will say you can do other things 
to get rid of your demons outside deliverance. That's Galatians 3. You're trying to accomplish things by human effort that only could be accomplished by the Spirit. Who do you think is behind this? Who do you think is behind this preaching that you don't need deliverance and that you can just type it out? I'm going to give you this 30 second delay. Who do you think is behind it? This teaching that says fog machines, light machines, counseling and therapy, medication and fellowship, living holy can get the demons out of you. I'll tell you who's behind it. Very clear. Some of you are already writing the devil's behind it. That's who's behind it. Satan. Yes. Thank you. Everyone got it right. He's the one behind this theology. Now the devil works in what? In witchcraft. Galatians 3. Who cast an evil spell on you? Who cast, go to the Greek, who put witchcraft on you to make you think that there's other ways to do what only God can do. The devil does not want you to know he's there, but we can't substitute this. Stop letting witchcraft talk you out of this. The devil does not want to be thrown out. The demons do not want to leave their homes. Medication now, it might sedate your demons or help you with the symptoms of demons, but it won't get rid of the demons. This is why people say, Isaiah, I haven't watched pornography for years. I have not watched pornography for three, four, five years, but I'm still, and I hear this all over the country. I hear this on a daily basis in my messages. And when I travel, countless people say this, haven't watched pornography in years, but I'm still having constant dominating thoughts that make me think sexual things, even though I haven't watched pornography or indulge in any sexual sin. And then people say, well, I'll just keep fighting it and keep getting friend understand that demons write this down, can't be crucified and the flesh can't be cast out. We need to deal with each of them appropriately and we need to stop substituting deliverance for every other thing. If they need deliverance, do deliverance. If they need to crucify the flesh, then teach them about the crucifying of the flesh and the denying of self. Crucifying the flesh is fighting off natural temptations. When you need deliverance, it's dominating thoughts that are unnatural, that are illogical, and that are irrational. Okay, it's like when you go to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant and they're out of something, they say you, and they say this, would you like to substitute that? We don't have the steak you came for. We don't have the fish. Now I use restaurant talk because I've been traveling for 10 years and I've eaten probably at 10,000 restaurants, okay? If you're an evangelist, if you're a traveling minister, you live at restaurants. We don't have what you want. We don't have what you came for. And so what would you like as a substitute since we don't offer or we don't serve that? I remember when I went to Canada, I think I was in Quebec and I got pizza. And in California, okay, some of you might be freaked out because a lot of you international here tonight, we eat ranch dressing with our pizza that's what we do so what happens you order pizza and you say can i get some ranch and you dip the pizza in the ranch and some of you think i'm crazy because you're international you don't even know what you don't understand that and i went and they were so offended they say what we don't have ranch we don't do ranch with pizza do you want something else do you want to substitute i don't want to substitute i want what i came for this is how the church acts when it comes to deliverance sorry oh i felt the holy ghost on this sorry our church doesn't have that. Would you like something else? Would you like a little bit of counseling? Would you like a little bit of therapy? Would you like a little bit of light therapy? Would you like a little bit of a, um, a little bit of just therapeutic soaking ministry? We don't do deliverance, but we can substitute it for something else. Would you like a little bit more sermons about how much God wants to increase you? Would you like uh, me to talk about your business and your easy life? Would you like some more coffee and donuts with your latte? Would you like to sp us to spend millions on lights and fog and sound systems and not give you deliverance no 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 i don't want anything else 
I want deliverance. I didn't come. I lo- Listen, I love the lattes, the donuts, all that stuff. Thank you that your church has that. But that is not why I came. I came because I want deliverance medium rare. Okay, and deliverance isn't medium rare. Deliverance is rare. I came for something, and if the church can do it, then what can do it? Come on, this is a word tonight. If the church can't heal me, where can I go to get healed? I am heartbroken by people saying, my church keeps turning me down for deliverance. Where will we go? Stop substituting there's no substitution i don't want a side of that i don't want extra this you can keep your latte coffee and donuts now that's okay to have that but make sure you have deliverance and that i don't want the lights the sound the fog and no deliverance lasers never delivered anybody lights never delivered anybody smoke never delivered anybody deliverance is essential and it's time to stop substituting it now, Paul actually talks about this in 2 Corinthians eleven four. I talked about this on Tuesday. He says, you happily put up with what anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus or a different kind of spirit or, you, or a different gospel than the one that I preach. So Paul, I talked about this Tuesday, tells us three substitutes. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying the churches have substituted. Now they have a different Jesus substituted, a different spirit. So they substituted the Holy Spirit for some type of demonic spirit and a different gospel. That's in 2 Corinthians eleven four. Paul says, why are you substituting it? And he goes, Here, here's, here's what blows my mind. Paul says, I got to fix my glasses for this one. He goes, you guys happily put up with it. You happily. You just go to your little dead church. No one gets healed. No one gets delivered. No gospel preaching. Kids have a nice program. Have a nice restaurant in the church. Have a nice coffee shop. And you just sit there and go, isn't this great that we could hate each other all week long, that we're addicted to anger and pornography and every other thing, and we get to come here for an hour on Sunday morning, and they preach a different gospel and a different spirit and a different Jesus, and you just sit there all smiling as long as the kids are happy, as long as we're here on Sunday morning and checking the box, as long as nobody offends us, as long as nobody confronts us. And the reason why Paul said you're happy, because when you don't confront demons, demons are happy. You don't manifest. How could I be in church for 20 years and I finally manifested? Because no one in 20 years has ever confronted or made your demons uncomfortable and demons that are comfortable are demons that don't manifest go ahead and write that down demons that are comfortable are demons that don't manifest stop being happy if you're oh okay i'm gonna get in trouble but it's okay it's my stream if your church does not preach on deliverance do deliverance miracle signs wonders holiness revival whatever you want to call it the full gospel you should be unhappy you just say, honey, I'm not happy at the church we're going to. Not because the pastor didn't greet you, not because you're not on the worship team, but because they're preaching a different spirit, a different gospel. If you look at the gospel Paul preached, which Paul did do deliverance, Philip did deliverance, Jesus did deliverance, all the disciples did deliverance, and your church is not preaching that gospel, then they're preaching what? A different gospel. If they're not preaching and flowing in the power of the spirit what are they doing preaching a different spirit this is the problem right now is we have a different jesus okay y'all ain't ready for this a different spirit and now people are doing it like yes preach it a different gospel and we're happy with it i pray that you would be unhappy being in a dead place that doesn't preach the full gospel okay and now I'm, i know all of you pastors are sweating now it's okay the sign of a false prophet. Let's look at this. Another thing of substitute. Jeremiah 6, 14. 
describes a false prophet. So we don't need to try to guess what is a false prophet? How do I know if my pastor is a false preacher? Here's what a false prophet is. The Bible says this. This is what they're saying about the prophets and the priests. Jeremiah says they're all frauds, by the way. This is what Jeremiah 6, 14 says. And then he says, all the prophets and the priests all, all through the land are all frauds. Here's why. Here's why. Tells us why. He literally says, here's why. Because they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurance of peace when there is no peace. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. So he says, they're trying to solve your spiritual problems with natural remedies. They're trying to solve your spiritual conditions with superficial treatments. And superficial means uh, surface. It's just, they're just dealing with everything on the surface. They deal with the effect and not the cause. He says, and they assure you of peace when there's no peace. Here's what they say. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, somebody. You're sitting back in the church. You're all full of demons. You need breakthrough. You need deliverance. You need help. And they say, oh no, Christians can't have demons. You're fine. You're fine. Just pray more. Just read more. Did you pray the sinner's prayer? Pray it again. Make sure you're authentic. Make sure you mean it when you pray it. And you say, no, I'm in the middle of a war. There's a war going on right now. Any pastor that gets up right now and says, in the spirit realm, there's peace is a false prophet, according to Jeremiah. He says, why are you telling people there's peace when we're in the time of war? They're preaching the right thing at the wrong time. Is God a God of peace? Yes, but this is not the time to preach peace. This is the time to preach war. Thank you, someone said you're talking good. So false prophets deal with the cause. I'm sorry, they deal with the effect and not the cause. When you go to the doctors and you say, and I'm trying to just give you illustrations to help you understand this. You say, doctor, I can't stop vomiting for some reason. Oh man, I can't believe we're 45 minutes in and I'm, I'm on number two. Okay, it's all right. We're going to go quick here. When you say, I can't stop, you're, there's 1,100 of you. You guys stay on, I'll stay on. That's, that's the bottom line. You say, doctor, I can't stop vomiting. The doctor does not try to cure the vomit. He doesn't say, okay, we're going to do something to make the vomit stop. He tries to cure the sickness because the sickness causing the the sickness is causing the vomit. The vomit is not causing the sickness. So in deliverance, we deal with what's causing these things in your life, not the things in your life. We don't say, oh, just stop doing this. That's not deliverance. Deliverance says, well, what is causing you to have these habitual cycles of compromise and sin? So we go after the cause and not the effect. That's why the angel came in Daniel 10 and said, Daniel, I had to fix the cause before I fixed the effect. The effect was the nations in bondage. That's the effect. The angel said, I didn't fight the effect. I fought the cause, which was a demon. So the angel said in Daniel 10, I had to fight the demon so that I could fight. And now we're frozen in the name of Jesus work, please. All right, guys, we lost. Can you guys see me? We lost our new camera. Okay, the new camera's lost. It's okay. We're gonna keep going with it. At least it lasted an hour. I don't know if it overheated. Yeah, it must have overheated. I'm gonna have to put like a fan on or something. So he says, you have to understand, the devil is a liar. We're just gonna have to go ahead and stay on this screen. Okay, that's, that's so annoying. Ah, okay. He said, we're gonna have to go after the effect. I'm sorry, the cause, not the effect, because the cause is a demon, the effect is the nations in bondage. So just because you don't see it in the natural, it doesn't mean that it's not real. You need to understand that we're going after things that are causing these things and we need to deal with the root of these, okay? That's number two. Number three, 
The third attribute, some of these I'll go quick on. I won't take as long, but there's a couple here that I have to, I have to expound on so that you see the purpose of this. Number three, write this down, is the ability to endure intense warfare. Man, I should have made this like a three-week thing. The ability, the ability to endure intense warfare. So you need to understand, this is warfare we're preaching about. This is not coffee hour. This is not soaking ministry. Jesus was incredibly pressed by the crowd and we have to be able to withstand the pressing of the crowd people you need to understand you're going to need to sacrifice your time thank you if you can see me praise the lord my main camera just overheated and completely turned off and i can't restart it until i I have to shut the stream down so we're just going to stay with this angle it's all good god's going to work it out okay you need to understand that this is going to cause you an intense sacrifice of time and energy there's no room write this down there's no room for lazy people in deliverance ministry absolutely no room if you're lazy there's no room for you in deliverance ministry this is a ministry that takes time effort energy in the same way that natural war is time consuming and costs resources and effort so does spiritual warfare christians that always want the easy route will not be effective in deliverance listen if you're a believer that you want everything easy you want everything free and you don't want to pay the price for anything and you don't want anything to be difficult and you don't want anything to have to wrestle and you don't want to have to do anything extra then you're not going to work in deliverance. You need to have this attribute and be able to withstand intense warfare. Now, the first thing in in this I want to talk about is not point number three. I mean, point number four. This is just what I want to talk about in the ability to endure warfare. And later on, I'm going to type all of these out in the chat. Don't worry in the comments. The first thing that it's going to cost you, and this is practical for deliverance, is time. There's a demand. You must be willing, write this down, to give up extended amounts of time. You think about people in the army. They give years of their life to fight the battle. And Christians struggle to give an hour on Sunday morning. I remember a time in my life where I was traveling extremely long. I was going days and days and days. I would barely be home for sometimes like seven or eight days in the entire month. And I was so frustrated sometimes traveling. And I would I would uh, just whine to God and say, Lord, I don't want to travel. I don't want to travel. It's too time consuming. And I remember one time I was missing my family i was away from home and the lord said isaiah soldiers in the u.s army leave for sometimes years at a time to fight in a natural war and this is what the lord said how much more have i called you to sacrifice and to fight in this spiritual battle friend you need to know this that you are in an army you are in the army of almighty god every time i travel people say well you're you know you're this or you're that and and you must be really hurting being away from your family is it cost yeah but this is the price of being in the army when you sign up for the u.s army you don't cry about the fact that you have to go get it you have to go on deployment for nine months because it's part of the sacrifice for being in the army giving up your time in deliverance and remember this is for those that want to be effective in deliverance you need to be willing to give up time every time i travel people always see my haircut as you can see okay i get it cut every friday morning if you're wondering why it's so fresh and they say oh are you in the army this just happened the last trip i was on they say are you in the army and i always say yeah i'm in the army and they say oh what branch are you in and i say i'm in the army of god that's the branch of military i'm in because really I've been enlisted into an army. I don't think of myself as, oh, I'm just this little grasshopper Christian. If somebody wants, you know, I'm just getting beat up all the time. No, I'm in the army of almighty God. The creator of the heavens and earth has enlisted me and I'm in his army. He's anointed me. He's mandated me. And so I'm not backing down. I've been enlisted. Where are my soldiers at? Have we forgotten guys? that we're in an army have we forgotten that we've been called we've been anointed we're in the kingdom branch of the military to fight on the front lines and i'm wondering 
where are my fellow soldiers? Where are my warriors? Where are my spiritual snipers? Where's my backup? We need pastors and leaders. Man up. Get off the sidelines. I know I'm coming strong tonight. And get on the front lines because we need you to fight. You cannot afford to keep preaching. Listen, this is what God keeps telling me. You can't afford to preach what you've been preaching for the same five years. The same message about God's blessing and God's prosperity. And God says, when are you going to preach what I'm giving you to preach? It's time to go to battle. It's time to enlist in warfare. It's time to enlist in my army. God has called you and God has anointed you to the army of God, calling you to rise up. David said in Psalms 144.1, Praise the Lord, who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. So you got to understand, David said, God is training me for war. God is not training me to sit on Sunday morning and be babysat by a pastor. He says, God is training me for battle. God is training me for war. God is equipping me, preparing my fingers for, for warfare and for battle. Paul says, don't get tied up. If you're a soldier, don't get tied up. It's time to armor up. It's time to man up and it's time to battle up. It's time. God has called you. God has anointed you. This is your moment. Deliverance is often, okay, inconvenient to your schedule. Write this down. This is what you need to know practically to be in deliverance. If you're a deliverance leader, if you're a deliverance pastor, if you're a believer that wants to get involved, I'm giving you these attributes tonight. It's inconvenient. I remember my mom when the revival started at the house. She would have to get up very early. My mom's in the chat. She could attest to this. And we would be at the house all night long. Remember, I get radically saved for all you new followers. I'm playing beer pong. I'm drinking. I'm partying. I'm out there an atheist quote-unquote which whatever that means not believing in God I get radically saved and then all my friends I was partying with doing stuff with going out hanging out with they all start getting saved now what do you think is going to happen when a bunch of people get saved we all start having demons we all start manifest we all start getting deliverance and breakthrough I'm not preaching you guys stuff I read in a book I'm preaching you real experiences and then one night We'd be up all night casting out demons. My mom would have to get early. And one night, I remember specifically, we were driving out demons. And the person we were delivering was screaming extremely loud. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, by the way. My mom's sleeping. And I'm thinking like, oh, man, this demon is just going crazy, screaming. I still remember who it was. This demon's just going just off the handles. What's You know, I'm going to be in some serious trouble. So my mom starts yelling down the hallway. I'm in the living room. Isaiah, Isaiah, she remembers this. She's going to laugh. She's in the chat. Isaiah, Isaiah, just going crazy, yelling for me. I thought, oh, here we go. I'm about to get, I'm going to go from spanking up demons to getting spanked. I'm, I'm in trouble now. I go into the hallway and I thought she was going to say, keep it down. You guys are yelling. You guys are screaming. She said, Isaiah, you need to use the name of Jesus more. I said, thanks, mom. And I went back to casting out demons. She woke up because she heard the commotion and heard us and said, man, they're not using the name of Jesus enough. This is the normal Christian life. This is the normal. This should be your stories of doing deliverances and bringing breakthrough and bringing healing and saying we need to set people free. The reason why you're bored is because you're not doing what the Bible has commanded you to do. There's nothing boring about deliverance. There's nothing boring about driving out demons. God has called you to do this. Now, I'm going to go over some stuff when it comes to time. Many people argue, well, Isaiah, Jesus didn't take a long time to do deliverance. Okay, how, how many of you heard that type one? I would argue this back to them. You're not Jesus. Okay, you might think you're all that and you have, you know, a church of 200 people and you're all that in a bag of chips, but you're not Jesus. Also, here's another one I'll give for you. 
Many things Jesus did, it doesn't give us the details. So biblically, we don't know how long it took Jesus to do deliverance. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say. We just know that we're not Jesus, that we're still learning. People will often say this as well. Well, Isaiah, Jesus cast out demons with one word, so it shouldn't take so much time. Let's actually look at what the Bible says about this, because they always misquote Matthew 8, 16. And if you want to get biblical, we can go to the Greek. If you want to get, if they want to start arguing scripture with you, you need to be able to back this stuff up. The Bible says in Matthew 8, 16, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So it says he cast out spirits with what? His word. Now with one word, now with a word, with his word, and healed all that were sick. Notice that Jesus cast out spirit with his word. First of all, the Bible doesn't say one word, but rather his word. And the word his is italicized, meaning that the word was added by Bible translators and not in the original Greek. This is just a little tip for you. If you see italicized words when you're reading your Bible, it's not original Greek. It's been added by Bible translators. So therefore, this does not mean Jesus cast out spirits with one single word. In fact, I speak all around the country, but when I speak, I speak more than one word. So it's not just his words or his word is not one word. It's his words. So also, if you look at when Jesus was saying, come out, the Bible talks about he was commanding the Amplified Bible. It says Jesus was commanding the demon out, which commanding means saying it over and over and over again. So let me just say this, write this down. If one come out does not work, keep going, okay? Don't say come out and it doesn't leave. Oh, well, we're not gonna say anymore because Jesus only said one word. You need to know Jesus did repeat himself. It's often normal in deliverance to repeat yourself because demons are personalities. And like people, some demons, according to scripture, are more strong-willed than others, are more wicked. There's rankings, there's levels, degrees. I've already done videos on this. Some kids... You tell them once, okay, I have four kids. Some of them, one of my kids, you have to tell one time and she does it. The other one, you have to tell a hundred times. Why? Because they have personality. So you need to understand that these are different things. Some demons do take longer and repeating commands, write this down, repeating commands put spiritual pressure on the demon. Write that down. I can't say this enough. Repeating yourself, put spiritual pressure. They're stubborn. And oftentimes we have to tell them over and over and over again, this is in your Bible, guys. And even if it's not, you're not Jesus. So stop saying, oh, but Jesus didn't do it. Yeah, okay, how about this? Jesus prayed for people and every person got healed. You pray for people and not everybody gets healed. Why? Because you're not Jesus. Jesus walked on water and I've been to the lake with some of you and I've never seen any of you walk on water. So stop saying, well, Jesus this and Jesus that. We're students. We are not Jesus. We need to keep putting this. Now, I'm going to show you a place where you've probably never seen where the Bible shows that deliverance is not an instant thing because I do deliverances until people are free. That's what I do. So if it takes 20 minutes, praise the God. If it takes one hour, praise God. If it takes three hours, praise God. My goal is not how fast. I'm not trying to get a record for how fast I can get the demons out of you. I'm trying to make sure you get free. Let's look at Acts 16, 18. The Bible says, and this did she many days. What is it talking about? It's talking about a slave girl that had a spirit of divination that was a fortune teller, a psychic that was making lots of profit for her masters. Paul comes into town and she starts following Paul around for days, not just one day. She was among the believers for days, the Bible says, many days. So many people think Paul walked up to this little girl and said, come out of her. Paul let her hang out for a couple days. And then finally, Paul discerned it was an evil spirit in the girl after being with her for a few days, cast the spirit out of her. Watch what it says. And this she did many days. Okay, he said, Paul's the most high. Watch this. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, 
Okay, so Paul turned and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Okay, that's what we teach. I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And here's what your Bible says. And he came out that same hour. It didn't say the demon came out. It said the demon, he came out the same hour, which means what? Why would it say the same hour? It means this, that it came out within an hour. The important lesson to learn is that the evil spirit came out, but it took within one hour. So did it take 30 minutes for that demon to come out? Now, this is the apostle Paul, and this is like everyone's going, my mind's blown because I never saw this. Did it take 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or an hour? I don't know. It just, I just know. If you can't hear me, come go out and come back in because I got sound going on my end. I just know that it took within an hour. This is Paul. So if a deliverance takes long, just keep going for it. Okay, the next thing when you're enduring long hours of warfare, which is our number three, and I'm gonna write all of them after, don't stress, okay, is energy. There's times where deliverance is going to take long hours and it takes a tremendous, I'm not lying to you, most deliverance preachers are not gonna tell you all this, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy. Again, here's what blows my mind. We'll play sports for eight hours. We'll work for our boss for eight hours. We'll run marathons, we'll hike. We'll go long weekend trips where we climb mountains and go to the lake and do all this and use all this energy but complain because God is asking us to sacrifice energy to do deliverance. The entire mindset of the believer has to shift. This is your life now. Write that down. This is your life now. This is what you were born for. You have no other purpose on this earth than to advance the kingdom of God. I one time, one week into deliverance from 8 a.m., 8 a.m. to midnight, with one sandwich and a bottle of water, within three days, I did almost 30 hours of intense deliverance. When I mean intense, I mean intense back-to-back non-stop deliverance on pastors. I did deliverance on close to 20 pastors for almost 30 hours. This is the energy. So this is why I'm telling you this. You're like, why are you doing this? Because if you have this little mamsy pamsy mindset that deliverance is this easy thing where one word, which pastors tell you that, there's one word and the demon comes out and I'm like, how has that been working for you? It hasn't been working because you don't cast out demons. You need to understand that deliverance takes time. It takes energy. Um, Zechariah 4, 6 says it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So this is not by our human effort. This is by the Holy Spirit. And when you're in long deliverances, the Holy Spirit will give you supernatural energy. You'll be like, Lord, where, what is going on? How am I awake right now? I slept one hour. I went straight to work after the deliverance because God will give you supernatural energy. Now, some of you are asking God for supernatural energy because you stayed up till 2 a.m. watching Netflix the night before. That's not what supernatural energy is for. Supernatural energy is for when you're tired from doing the will of God and God will give you supernatural energy to sustain you through the day. This is why he gives it. I remember um, I used to work at Starbucks. I worked at 4 a.m. Every day I got up at 3.30 a.m. to go to work at Starbucks. This is when I got saved for a year and a half. I worked almost every day at four o'clock in the morning. We'd be preaching and casting up demons till 2 a.m. on almost every night. And oftentimes I would literally go from preaching the revival prayer meeting all night, casting out demons all night. 3.30, I had to get dressed. I would go to bed around 2.33. Sometimes I would just go straight. Oftentimes I would say, well, I used to drink all night and go straight to work so I could cast out demons all night and go straight to work. And I'm not lying to you guys. I would go to work and have supernatural energy. I'd be awake. I would be energetic. And I would think in my mind, 
This is physically impossible. I have not slept for 40 hours. I've stayed up all night long. I've been driving up demons, and now I have energy. It was not the espresso, espresso. It was not the latte. It was supernatural energy that God gave me because I was doing the will of God. So you need to know this is the supernatural energy. God will give this to you when you do his will. Now, Mark 6:31, Jesus said, let us go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this, now I'm quoting your Bible. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples, Mark 6, 31, that Jesus and his disciples did not even have time to eat. So you need to understand these disciples were so busy. The Bible says, Mark 6, 31, they didn't even have time to eat because they were doing so much ministry. So this is what's going to cost you if you want to get deliverance. By the end of this, there's a bunch of you that are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing deliverance. Okay. I'm just going to be a lazy Sunday morning Christian, never have any fruit and stand on judgment day and barely make it to heaven. And that's what the Bible says. And I'm, I'm not interested in that. Okay. Let's talk about this next thing. Patience. Okay. Don't go to point number um, four. We're not even on four. We're still on three. We may just get to like, I don't know. We might just have to tear this in two parts. Cause I have, I have just way too much stuff to talk about tonight. And the next thing is patience. Okay, this is, yeah, you know where I'm going with this? There's always going to be people that don't retain their deliverance. There's always going to be people that are slow to learn and that must be repeatedly encouraged. And this is your temptation to spend your time with others who show more promise. But God says, I want you to be patient with people and with slow learners. This is huge. This is huge. If you don't get anything, get this tonight. You need extreme Holy Spirit patience because a lot of people need need constant deliverance, need tune-ups, need more than one deliverance, and need you to work with them. Okay, they need you to talk with them. They don't know. They don't have anybody else. They don't know anybody else, and they need you to be there for them. Galatians six nine says, "And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up." Do not get weary. And this is my word to you. Do not get weary dealing with difficult people. How many know difficult people? They make you weary. Difficult people are hard sometimes to work with. But the Bible says don't get weary working with difficult people because deliverance oftentimes draws people that take a lot of patience to work with. But remember this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Remember that God was patient with you. How long did it take before you finally got together? Friend, you know why I'm so patient? Now, some people, they, they fault me at this. They say, Isaiah, you're too patient. You spent hours. In the last three events I did, I spent two to three hours after preaching and doing all the altar ministry, talking to people, praying for people, taking pictures of the people, meeting people. Isaiah, don't be so patient. You know, these people, you're letting them go on and on and on and ramble about their life. You want to know why I'm so patient after 10 years of doing ministry? You think, oh, you would just be jaded and callous. I'm so patient with people because God is so patient with me. God never left me, never forsake me, never gave up on me. And so I'm not willing to give up on people if God is not willing to give up on me. I'm not talking, now listen, I'm not talking about throwing your pearls to swine. If someone doesn't want it, if they're not serious, if they don't want to get deliverance, if they're messing around, they're acting, don't waste your time with them. I, I, if you've been with me in deliverance, I'll shut a deliverance down faster than no one's business, okay? I'm talking about genuine people who need deliverance they need you to be patient with them. You have to be patient because these people really do need your help. All right, next is dedication. There must be complete dedication in the life of the deliverer or the exorcist to Christ and the people you're doing deliverance on. Write this down. You cannot be flaky. Okay, all of you frosted flakes in the chat that are late to everything that never show up when they want to show up. There's a reason why in the military, in the army, in law enforcement, everybody's on time everybody's early can you make the connection 
God is not a late God. I'm just letting you know. God shows up on the right time, in the right time. I, I believe this. If you're not five minutes early, you're late. That's my own personal belief. I'm on time to everything because I believe it's called being faithful. I believe it's godly. There's a reason why the military doesn't tolerate you being flaky and late. And late. And let me say this. God will not tolerate you being a frosted fruity flake, okay? He's not going to tolerate you being late. He's not going to tolerate you being flaky. If you're flaky, there's no room in the army for you. You can be a water boy or bring the bread out like David did in the beginning, but I'm trying to slay giants. I'm not trying to be a water boy in the kingdom of God. When the disciples, now let's look at this. When they failed to deliver the boy, remember the lunatic boy, and there he was demonized, and the dad came up to Jesus, Mount Transfiguration, said, Jesus, the disciples couldn't heal my boy. Even before, now the disciples are going to go to Jesus after and say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demon out? Before they even asked him why they couldn't cast out the demon, I'm going to show you that Jesus already answered them. This is in Matthew 17, 17. Jesus said this to them when they couldn't cast the demon out. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I suffer with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, there's two words I want you to see here when it comes to dedication. It's faithless and perverse. Now, the first thing is they were faithless. This means they were unfaithful or not steadfast. Here's what he was saying. You guys are not completely devoted to me. You guys are flaky. You're not faithful. If somebody says, I'll meet you at six o'clock and they don't meet you, they're not faithful. Faithful means to be consistent, to show up when you say you're going to show up. And Jesus said, you guys are unfaithful. You're not committed. You're not steadfast. You're not fully surrendered. You're not fully dedicated to this cause. And then he says this. So he calls out their lack of dedication. Then he says, you perverse generation, not perverted, perverse. Here's what perverse means. It means to be turned aside. Okay. It basically means this. You're more interested in other things than you are in my kingdom. Now, this is a pattern throughout scripture. God will tell the people you're distracted. You're following other things. You're not following me. The pleasures and cares of life have become your, your devotion now. So understand Jesus was saying, you're following other things. You're perverse. You're turned over. You're turned aside and you're not worried about my kingdom. It's not your main priority of all these other things in your life. And then my kingdom comes second to all those things. My kingdom's not a priority for you. So there was this lack of dedication. They're interested in all these other things. And we know this is true because later they're going to argue who's the greatest showing that their interest was not in advancing God's kingdom, but it was advancing their status also and their name. And it's no wonder why they were powerless. Deliverance is not a hobby. Write that down. It's not a hobby where you get into it and you get out of it. This is a lifestyle of living and walking like Jesus. Deliverance is not a season that you are going through. It's not like, oh, I'm bored of this. What's next? This is a lifestyle of a soldier. It's fighting. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's you're constantly fighting. You're constantly warring. You're constantly battling. This is what God has called you to do. This is what God has anointed you to do. You cannot be flaky in this ministry. You cannot sit back in this ministry. This is God's calling. Okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. I have probably another hour and a half on this. I have much more things I want to tell you, and I want to do this. We're going to do this next Friday because here's the thing. I don't have time to go through this, and I have a bunch of things that I'm thinking about that I want to share with you and stories that I cannot give you tonight, but you need to at least have written those three things down down because this is going to be the price of being a deliverance minister. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about some other things, meeting the spiritual requirements of being a deliverance minister, the way to increase, to stay free. I'm going to talk about all these different steps that it's going to be confronting demons and all these other things that it takes to be a deliverance ministry. I really believe tonight, I'm sad that my camera 
overheated. Okay, the devil is a liar. I'm going to have to get that worked out. But I really believe tonight that God is raising up deliverance ministers, practical ministers that say, God, I want to walk like you walked. I want to live how you live. I want to give my energy. I want to give my commitment. It's time tonight to break off faithlessness. Yeah, we're going to have to do another one because I have, I probably have an, about another hour and I don't want to go over two, two and a half hours. It's just way too long for people to watch in the video. It's way too long for people in the stream. People start dropping off. It gets late. It's, for some people, it's already almost midnight. I believe right now, and I don't want people to miss the time where we're going to pray. I believe right now God is calling and raising up spiritual snipers, special forces, believers right now that are going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. God's calling you not to the sidelines, but God is calling you to the front lines. There are attributes, there are characteristics that you need to have if you're going to be effective. I don't know about you, but I want you to do this. Type one, if you say, I want to be effective in deliverance ministry. Why do we have such a desire to be effective? Why do we talk about it so much? Because this is the ministry of Jesus. Remember, deliverance is establishing the kingdom of God on the earth and destroying the kingdom of hell. That is what deliverance is. He says, when you cast out a demon, you're destroying Satan's kingdom and you are establishing my kingdom. And so I want to get better at establishing the kingdom of God on this earth. If I'm not doing deliverance, I'm not establishing God's kingdom on the earth according to Jesus. I'm not establishing it. So there needs to be a tearing down of Satan's kingdom and a building of God's kingdom if we're going to be an effective deliverance ministers. And I believe the Holy Spirit is anointed. I believe the Holy Spirit is called. I believe that we're no longer going to substitute. We need to break out of this mindset of substitution. We need to break out of this mindset that deliverance is only for the select few and say, Lord, tonight I give you my time. Come on, right now. I give you my energy and I'm asking you, God, if you see fit to, to launch me into this, Lord, bring the people around me because here's what happens. As God begins to see that you're serious about deliverance, God will begin to bring people your way. God will begin to make a way where there is no way. God will begin to train you and equip you in the spirit to begin to be able to engage. All of a sudden, mark my words. I had someone recently tell me this. Ever since I started learning about deliverance through your live stream, nonstop, I'm getting people to me that need deliverance. And they said, for years, I've never done deliverance. No one ever came to me. And now people are coming to me like never before. It's because you're showing God that you're serious. You're saying, God, I'm open to the ministry of Jesus. I'm open to you using me. And so here's what I believe we're praying tonight. I believe we're praying, here I am, send me. The Lord says, who wants to go? Who wants to enlist? Who wants to be a biblical exorcist, a biblical deliverer? I've called you, I've anointed you, I've raised you up. This is your moment. God has mandated you. And tonight, it's time to say, here I am, Lord. It's time to say, God, I'm willing to go to the highways. I'm willing to go to the byways. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll give you the energy. I'll give you the time. I'll give you the dedication. I'll give you the effort. I'll study the scriptures. I'll know that this is biblical because here's what happens. When you realize, which is what I started tonight talking about, that this is scriptural, there is a boldness about you. People say, Isaiah, how are you so bold when you go to these large churches and you preach such a strong message and you cast out demons and people are filming and you're not scared? I'm not afraid and I'm bold because I have the word of God to back me up. I have the spirit of God backing me up. I have the word of God backing me up. So what do I need to be afraid of? If God has validated me, if God has approved of me, what validation do I need from man? What validation? Come on, somebody help me. To fire of God is falling tonight. Guys, I want you to know we are working right now on streaming to both Facebook and YouTube. We're going to work on it. I know so many people are writing me. I had about 400 people on YouTube just the last two days 
beg me to come stream on YouTube. So we're going to do both. I'm not ever, I'm not going to leave Facebook and move to YouTube, but I want to do both so we can reach more people and I'll get everybody in one chat. It'll be really good. But I'm just telling you guys right now, God is doing something. God is special, especially raising up special forces and God is raising up believers. This is our hour. It's time to meet on the battle lines. It's time for you to get equipped. The deliverance network will be coming soon. But right now, guys, wherever you're at, let's just begin to pray. And let's just basically say, God, here we are. Send us. Father, we are asking that you would send the listeners, God, everybody listening, that your power, your anointing, and your fire would be on them. God, that you would use us, that you would train our hands for battle, our fingers for war. God, raise us up to fight this end time warfare. We are asking, Lord, that you would send a fresh anointing. I'm praying over every single one of you that God would just send a fresh anointing over your house. I pray that God would send a fresh fire over you. I pray that God would train you spiritually. God would equip you spiritually. That God would put a Holy Spirit hunger in you. A hunger for his word. A hunger for prayer. A hunger for his anointing. God, we are asking that tonight you would do what only you can do in Jesus' name. That you would bring a fresh hunger over your people. This is what God wants to do. And Lord, I'm asking over everyone. This is 1,100 of you. I pray over every single one of you. Lord, draw people that need this around us. Lord, we are, we are telling you tonight, I'm telling you again, Lord, I'm available to be your vessel. I'm available to be your mouthpiece. I'll do what you've called me to do whenever you need it, God. I'm willing. Just let the Lord know right now. Say, Lord, I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone. I'm willing to give you my energy. I'm willing to spend long hours in deliverance. I'm willing to disciple. I'm willing to have patience with people. I'm willing to do whatever it is you ask of me. And be careful if you pray that because God is going to begin to ask of you. God is going to begin to ask you to do things you've never done. God is going to bring you out of your comfort zone. God is going to pour out, I believe, a fresh anointing. Jesus said, I've been anointed. What was Jesus anointed for? He said to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set those that were oppressed by the enemy free, to set those that were captive in slavery free, to open up the eyes of the blind. Jesus said, I've come to release people from demonic bondage. This is what I've come for. This is what I've come to do. And it's time now to do this in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you right now, equip us anoint us. God, I ask you to send legions of angels, warfare angels, God, to begin to minister to your people. Lord, send them out to begin to make war over friends, over family. God's doing it right now. It's time to go to battle. I keep hearing the Lord say this. It's time for us to go to war. God, we're tired of just being in dead churches that don't preach your word. What would Paul say? Paul would say it's a dead church that doesn't preach the word. Paul would say it's another spirit. It's another gospel, another Jesus. No more substituting deliverance. We don't want another sub. We don't want the number three or number two. We don't want a substitute. We want what your word says we can have, and that's to be free. God, we're asking even tonight for freedom. We're asking even tonight for breakthrough. We're asking even tonight for deliverance over your people. God, bring your delivering power. Bring your deliverance anointing. Bring your delivering fire right now, we pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would just have your way. Send a fresh fire over your people. Send a fresh anointing over your people. It's time to get boots on the ground. It's time to push back against the gates of hell. It's time to begin to make war in the spirit. Those of you that are not full of the Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit over you right now, wherever you're watching through the screen. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all knowing. And right now, I just release it on you in Jesus' name. I release it on you in Jesus' name. Jesus, we pray for your fire. We pray for your power. We pray for your anointing. Lord, we thank you for your fire. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you that you did not bring us here by accident, but God, we're in a special moment of time where you're raising up the body of Christ 
to get violent against the enemy, that there's protection against the enemy, that there's deliverance against the plans and the strategies. We, we come against now every plan and every strategy of the enemy in Jesus' name. And God, we ask for your Holy Spirit anointing and fire in Jesus' name. And we just thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray one more prayer of healing. Listen, if you're sick in body, I believe God wants to bring healing. I don't want to do these broadcasts and not see God do miracles and not see activation. So wherever you are, if you're sick in body, lay your hands on whatever body part you need healing of. If you're sick with COVID, if you have cancer, diabetes, whatever it is, and tonight we're going to believe for healing. I believe God wants to heal you. Father, right now we ask for your healing power to be released. We come against every sickness. We come against every disease. We bind every infirmity in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask for your healing power to be released to this broadcast. We ask for your healing anointing to go into the homes of every person listening. Wherever they're at, Lord, we pray healing now. We come against all sickness now in Jesus' name. Marcella said, my whole house is sick. We break sickness in Jesus' name, Marcella, off your house. And we speak healing power be released right now. We speak healing power be released right now. I know several families that are sick with COVID, the whole family. And I just break now the power of COVID. In Jesus' name, we break the power of COVID now. And we say be healed. We say be restored in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, release your power and release your fire right now. We thank you, Lord. And we ask you right now, and then Blanca just said her whole house is sick as well. Blanca, we speak healing over your household right now. In Jesus' name. Maureen, we speak healing over your stomach now. In Jesus' name. Tanya, we command healing to come over you in Jesus' name. Caroline says her husband has COVID. We speak right now, Caroline, over your husband. Healing, we break COVID now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, over your lower back. COVID, you have no power. Hold on, let me just get this real quick. You have no power. You have no authority. The Lord rebukes you, COVID. And we just ask for healing now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that right now, cancer, those of you that are saying there's cancer and that you have cancer in your body, just lay hands on whatever body part that there's cancer. And we believe right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that there's healing, that there's healing. Cancer, you have to go in Jesus' name. Cancer, you have to go in Jesus' name. We speak now healing over you, Nina. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Someone else said, my husband has COVID. CC, we command now your husband to be healed in Jesus' name. We come in agreement. There's power in agreement. Right now, we command healing in Jesus' name. Head pressure, we break it now. Head pressure, we break it now. In Jesus' name, deliverance. In Jesus' name, restless leg syndrome. Uh, syndrome. I see that right now. We break it now in Jesus' name. Stomach cancer, we bind you. And we ask for God, just release your healing anointing and your healing power. Every demonic assignment, every demonic oppression, every possession, whatever you want to call it, we break it now in Jesus' name. We ask Holy Spirit for your power and your fire to invade these people's houses, to invade their living rooms, to invade their cars. Greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. And we just pray right now, kidney failure, healing, Alzheimer's, dementia. We pray healing right now, palpitations, healing, hernias in Jesus' name. Type out, if you want to type out your disorder, many people are. I know there's other people in the chat praying. If I don't call it out, there's many people praying. Scoliosis, we speak healing right now. We break you, scoliosis. We break you, abnormalities in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be healed. Spinal damage, hernias. I see lots of hernias. Brain cancer over Maria. Maria, we command healing to come now in your brain in Jesus' name. We come in agreement for healing right now. Against autism right now, we ask God just for divine healing and breakthrough. Lots of people are commenting saying their whole house is sick right now. Father, we just pray that you'd bring healing over these homes. God, we just pray that you'd bring your anointing over these homes in Jesus' name. Bring your healing power. We bind all sickness now. And we pray, God, every spiritual blessing that you would have, that you would release it tonight.
cervical damage, anxiety, epilepsy, leg pain, detached retina. We ask for healing now in Jesus' name. Neuropathy, fibromyalgia, we command you to go in Jesus' name. Come on, wherever that body part is, just lay hands and let the heat of God come through and heal you. Fibromyalgia, you must go in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that there's healing happening in, in, your, in your power, in your spirit, in your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Come on, guys. I'm believing tonight for complete healing over many of you. I believe healing is breaking out right now. We thank you, Lord. Feel free to just write it in the chat. We'll go through and pray for these later, guys. And then people that are praying right now can look through this chat. Maybe we'll jump on here one of these days and pray over the chat, prophesy over the chat, and have some just ministry time. I know we're almost two hours in, but that would be good. In Jesus' name. Happy birthday, Nino, Jasmine says. Happy birthday, Nino. We love you. Happy birthday. Tonight was amazing, guys. I'm going to go ahead and start reading these donations. If you want to sew, as we say every week, don't dine and dash. You can sew right there. The links are in the comments. Praise God. God is still moving, guys. Let the Holy Spirit move. You don't have to stop because I'm stopping. You can let the Holy Spirit keep moving. The links are there. The links are on screen. PayPal.me slash Isaiah Saldivar. If you want to appear on screen, it's right there pinned in the comments, the first link. If you want to become a monthly partner, it's IsaiahSaldivar.com slash partner. As you guys know here, we're not doing huge, um, you know, 30-minute, 40-minute offerings. We don't need to. You guys are generous. You guys have been giving throughout the whole stream. If you got blessed tonight, next week, we're definitely going to do a part two. We had about 1,100 people the whole time. Praise the Lord. And then maybe we'll try to figure out if we could launch and multi-stream to YouTube and Facebook. But yeah, all the links are there in the chat, guys. The, I'll, I'll read the donations. At, um, I'm sorry. I'll read the comments after they're moving really quick now. Let me read these donations, and then I'll read your guys' comments. So if you want to talk to me through the comments, stick around because I'll read those directly. But right now, I want to go through some of these donations. If you're still watching on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. Please leave a like, leave a comment, and subscribe. It really does help us. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.